0: KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at
1: artpower.ucsd.edu. Welcome back to another edition of the KPBS Cinema Junkie Podcast. I'm Beth Accomando. All right, the election is just around the corner, and I have a special bonus podcast for you with Ben Mankiewicz talking about the political films coming up on TCM.
0: I do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of the President of the United States. I do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of the President of the United States. And will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the
1: United States. And will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States.
0: So help me God.
1: So help me God. 2016 is kind of a wild and crazy year for elections. So TCM has come up with a program of political films for us. What inspired you to do this, and what kind of was the criteria for selecting the films for this? Well,
0: the criteria is not much different than the criteria we would have the rest of the time, which is we want to show you know, engaging movies that move the audience uh, in some way. Uh, obviously with as much coverage as news coverage as the election is getting we, we and there have been so many terrific political movies we thought this was a a worthy uh time to 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 bring these movies to highlight these movies, which is really what we're doing.
1: And you weren't looking specifically for just presidential films. It's politics in kind of a broad definition of the word.
0: Yeah, even to some extent with the uh the films that uh, Alec Baldwin is is hosting uh, during the month, uh, documentaries that are in many ways uh, more so about policy necessarily than than politics. So, you know, uh, yeah, not, definitely not not solely uh, presidential, but uh, but but political movies. Most of the comedies that we have are uh, are uh, politics in general and not presidential. There there aren't a lot of great presidential comedies. There are a couple, but not a lot. <laughs>
1: You've grouped these films into kind of smaller packages. One collection is called Born to Run, which is kind of looking at more the campaigning process. And this is a really great collection of films that spans a few decades. One of the films is one of my favorites because I love Spencer Tracy, and that's The Last Hurrah. So tell me a little bit about why you picked this film and what you liked about it.
0: Well, this is uh, a... it's strange to call any movie your favorite John Ford movie, because just by virtue of picking a favorite John Ford movie, you leave out so many great films. But I will say that this is certainly the John Ford movie that I think is most overlooked when discussing great John Ford movies. Uh, I think it's his only really political movie. Pouring across the screen from the tumultuous pages of the most powerful bestseller of our time. Brimming over with the juices of rough and tumble life comes a galaxy for greatness as two-time Academy Award-winning actor Spencer Tracy and four-time Academy Award-winning director John Ford create the most unforgettable character in screen history, Frank Skeffington. This is the whole rousing story of the man, his times, and his people. I was born here, Adam. See those two windows? Uh-huh. Martin Burke. You mean the Cardinal? Mm-hmm. Yes, this is it. We were all born down here together. Then drifted it out different ways, somehow. And, you know, it comes uh, pretty late in Tracy's career, and Tracy essentially in the movie plays the mayor of Boston. It's never completely referred to as Boston, but it's pretty clear as a large New England city, uh, what we're talking about. And it's just a, it's, it's a really layered political movie because you can't, it's Spencer Tracy. You can't help, but root for him here as the mayor, but there's plenty of corruption to pick at. And he's had a political machine, which he presumes will put him into office again here in one final hurrah. This is going to be his one last hurrah. This is going to be his last election. Uh, and it's just—it's—I mean—it's—it is uh, as I said—it is—it is layered. It is complicated. It—it it is. My father uh, loved this movie, and my dad was, you know, Bobby Kennedy's press secretary and ran George McGovern's campaign, and he always thought from the moment he saw it when it came out when he was thirty-five years old uh, that it was pretty close to as this is as good as Hollywood can do politics. This doesn't turn politicians into buffoons, which Hollywood does from time to time. Uh, but it also sort of gives us the the complicated nature of uh, of how political campaigns work.
1: Well, you talk about this being one of John Ford's sort of overlooked films. For me, Spencer Tracy is an actor who I don't think gets as much attention as he deserves. You don't see a whole lot of Spencer Tracy retrospectives at, at you know, museums or, you know, th- retrospective theaters and things like that. And he's so good. He just, he's always struck me as this actor of such integrity and having him in this part where there are these layers to it was just fascinating.
0: So I always try to avoid, you know, excessive hyperbole in this <laughs> job because otherwise you end up realizing that you've said 38 people are the best actors and 57 movies are the best movie of all time. Um, uh, but uh, I think you're right about Tracy. And I, I think he's the greatest actor ever. I mean, I, 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 can, I can consistently put him at number one. And I tell you why my impression is different than yours. You know, you, you, I'm certain, are correct that there aren't enough Spencer Tracy retrospectives, but in the interviews that I've done with so many of these great film stars from Hollywood's golden era and beyond and so many great directors, it's fairly unanimous. I mean, it is overwhelming if I were to poll who the best actor any of these people worked with. If any of them have worked with Spencer Tracy, they say, they say Spencer Tracy. Uh, Ernest Borgnine said it. Robert Wagner said it, just to give you sort of a you know, a significant span of uh, of actors and the kind of movies they were in, uh, and many others. They just he was the best, and 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 it's those things that presumably, I guess, they can be taught. Uh, Tracy, I suppose, picked them up on his own. But you know he he does so much with his eyes, and there are so many moments where he isn't speaking, and they're by far the most sort of powerful and poignant and telling moments uh, in the movie. And you'll see plenty of that in the uh, in the Last era.
1: Another film I want to highlight from your Born to Run group is one of my favorite political films, which is The Candidate. And this has Robert Redford as kind of this unwilling candidate who gets drafted into a campaign. And this film was made in 1972, but it is still so on the money for the kind of commentary it makes.
0: Well, why this is such a great night of programming is that I get to mention my father again. So when, when I talk to my dad about political movies, the two movies that he said most accurately reflect the campaign were The Last and *The Candidate. Um, I mean, The Candidate is so realistic that it feels like a documentary.
1: In the beginning, I, I, I think it's important to note what subjects we haven't discussed.
0: We've completely ignored the fact that this is a society divided by fear, hatred, and violence. And until we talk about just what this society really is, then I don't know how we're going to change it. For example, we haven't discussed the rot that destroys our cities. We have all the resources we need to check it, and we don't use them. And we haven't discussed why not. We haven't discussed race in this country. We haven't discussed poverty. In short, we haven't discussed any of the sicknesses that may yet ble- send this country up in flames. And we'd better do it. We'd better get it out in the open and confront it. Before it's too late. From start to finish, it's terrific. Uh, uh, Redford, who is, you know, I also think just this, another actor who uh, can say volumes without speaking, and I think is supremely underrated uh, uh, as an actor. Uh, Another movie we have tonight, All the Presidents Men, I don't think anybody better than Robert Redford at talking on the phone in a movie than than that performance and being on the phone and All the Presidents Men. But in The Candidate, Redford plays, I think he's an environmental lawyer, And he's the son of a former governor, uh, played by Melvin Douglas. Um, And as you say, sort of drafted to run a Senate campaign. And the beauty of it is, hey, man, you can say whatever you want because you're never going to win. This is an establishment candidate uh, who can't be beaten. Uh, And then it takes us through that campaign and how the campaign changes even sort of the most ideologically pure and uncorrupt among us. But it's a really good lesson for people who are overly idealistic about politics. and I don't want to crush people's idealism, but, but, but politics works in part because it, 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 it probably crushes too much idealism. But this is a good perspective on, on what being part of that system does, and it does it even to the best politicians who sort of accomplish the most good for the most people. So and it has one of the great uh, last lines of of any, uh, of any political movie of all time, too, the candidate does.
1: All right. We won't give that away. But yeah. and the other thing that this film gets into really nicely is advertising, political advertisements. And you have, I think it's Alan Garfield, who is yeah, the, Alan
0: Garfield's terrific as the, as the ad man.
1: And the, they're going and they're trying to shoot some footage and the whole sense of that process and what makes a candidate appealing to the public. Again, that's a nice aspect of it that you don't get in a lot of other political films.
0: Yeah, like in the last hurrah. Last hurrah is still old school handshaking, you know, uh, old school politicking. And in fact, in another movie we're, we're, we're showing as part of this—not on the same night, but as part of the overall festival—the uh, the documentary campaign about the nineteen sixty uh, campaign. That was really the last campaign where TV wasn't, an, where the TV ads weren't didn't play the enormous role that they do now. So, last hurrah in fifty-eight gives you a sort of Last look at a at a campaign done the old fashioned way, but it had changed significantly by 1972. The same time that my, my father was running George McGovern's campaign with uh, with Gary Hart. And there's some great moments with Redford. One, the ads, uh, as they take apart the ads of the other candidates, Alan Garfield and Peter Boyle, who plays Redford's uh, campaign manager, he's terrific in it. There's a moment early when I think Redford announces it's not quite an ad, but you still see the importance that the media plays. That the press comes to. To cover Redford's announcement, and he's at his office where they're doing this environmental legal work, and and the press say, "Hey, can we get you to stand over by your campaign staff? It'll make a better shot." And Redford goes, uh, "No, <laughs> like, like I'm here. You're, I'm uh, they're not running. I'm running, and I don't care about the shot. You want to talk to me? Just talk to me." And it's a this really sort of pure moment that, of course, now. You would never. You would think about everything when you made your announcement. You would think about the optics of the announcement, and how it was going to look on CNN and how it was going to look on MSNBC.
1: And why we place crowds behind a candidate nowadays. That's right.
0: and, 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 and the demographic makeup of the crowd and, 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 and what signs they're holding and are they expressive and all these things that, that have had the cumulative effect of making us feel as if politics is inherently phony. And of course, much of it is phony. Not all of it. The work they do, the policy work, isn't phony at all. But the, but the optics are incredibly phony, and they have left a, a more than a generation, multiple generations of Americans supremely jaded about politics, as if it doesn't matter who they elect. And and that is that is supremely unfortunate, because of course it matters a great deal. Presidents uh, make a huge difference in the direction of the country, and 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 so do senators and representatives.
1: Okay, you brought up presidents. So the next group of films there are is before they were presidents. So you have a trilogy of films that kind of look at people before they became well-known political candidates for president. Uh, you have JFK and FDR and Abe Lincoln. And what were you looking for in this group of films?
0: Well, first of all, you get three pretty important presidents there, I think, safe to say, JFK, FDR, and Abe Lincoln. I mean, uh uh, you know JFK uh, uh, mythologized, uh, perhaps over mythologized, but still a critically important president, um, and and FDR and Abe Lincoln, arguably the two most important presidents in American history. So you know, but we're also looking at those three movies: at PT 109, Sunrise at Campobello, and Abe Lincoln in Illinois. These are these are all every one of them uh, uh, quality films, and that that's really what we're what we're looking for first.
1: And tell me about the TCM Spotlight. To tell the truth, what is this about?
0: uh well the uh to tell the truth spotlight is a is a is an effort on our part to look at non fiction films uh i think we have more than 50 movies sort of uh again these are documentaries um and they're you know as i said i mean i simplified it a little by suggesting that they're more policy than politics but i mean we're looking at stuff that uh that matters in the everyday lives of americans uh, organized labor i mean uh uh the depressed nature of inner cities, you know, seen through the lens of basketball in Hoop Dreams. But, you know, I mean, everybody who's seen Hoop Dreams knows uh, what a remarkable film that is from uh, Steve James. And a uh, Woodstock, uh, you know, about sort of, I mean, obviously can be just about music, but is also about the um, mood in the country in the middle of the Vietnam War and the countercultural movement. Uh, uh, we have a movie about, uh, organized labor, uh, during the great depression at a time when organized labor in America has sort of never been weaker. Uh, again, as I keep referencing my father, my dad, uh, always, uh, said that, uh, the, you know, it was a bumper sticker when he was growing up. I'm sure you can still get it, but he always wanted to remind people who were critical of organized labor, that these were the people who brought you the weekend <laughs> and, uh, uh, we should never forget that. So, uh, yeah, it's just this is a, these are movies that we that aren't generally seen on TCM, uh but they range in years from, you know, the 1930s to some more recent work, but these are uh that we think these are important films And at a time when we're talking about the direction of the country here in November before, uh, you know, the month that we elect a uh the 45th president, uh, it seemed appropriate to uh, an appropriate time to to bring these films and and Alec Baldwin, uh, you know, has always been a Uh, enormously sort of socially conscious. Uh, Alec Baldwin is interested in current events. He's obviously, you know, dabbled at times with the, a couple of times with the running for mayor of New York. So he cares about policy. Uh, And he seemed a a perfect guy to, to host these documentaries.
1: So I appreciate the span of time that these films cover from the 1930s up until 1990s, where you have the documentary A Perfect Candidate about the Oliver North campaign.
0: Yeah, interesting. That, and that comes in, it was 1994 in Virginia when North ran for the Senate against uh, uh, Chuck Robb. And it was sort of that 1994, that's the Newt Gingrich, that's the Republican Revolution, Bill Clinton's, you know, uh, first midterm where Democrats took a uh, bloodbath, but this was one of the rare seats that uh, Democrats uh, held on to. Uh, and, uh, you know, and there's great irony in, uh, in, 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 the, in calling Oliver North, <laughs> who many in America see as a, a criminal, myself included, uh, you know, described as the, uh, uh, as the perfect candidate.
1: Well, and it reminds me of the time when when he was testifying and he made sure that he wore his uniform and he stood in this position that looked just like the Norman Rockwell painting. And it just reminded me, after talking about the candidate, about how conscious people are of that visual image they present in this Totally. Time. My
0: father, God, I'm bringing up my dad a lot, Well, we're <laughs> talking about politics, he wrote a letter to the editor of the Washington Post uh, during the testimony because there was so much talk about uh, patriotism and how... Uh, uh, and how north as a distinguished uh, as a distinguished officer who'd served who served in the military um, uh, my dad wrote that he had also served in the military during world war two uh... and that uh, he thought part of being a patriotic american for people who've served the country was not to break the country's laws uh... and that he didn't need to wear a uniform every day to let everybody know that he was a proud american anyway the post printed it was a great letter uh, but yeah, so that's. Uh, but it's it's uh, it's it, it, in that sea change of Republicans who swept into office in 1994. Um, uh, Chuck Rob, you know, uh, hung on and kept a seat for the Democrats. But it's also emblematic to many Democrats of what was wrong with the Democratic Party. Like the idea that the Democrat in that race, Chuck Rob running against Oliver North, shows demonstrably the 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 drift to the right that the country experience that some would argue was has only recently uh, been slightly reversed, but that certainly started after George McGovern's huge loss in 1972, and Democrats figuring out the way to win was to drift to the center while the Republicans drifted to the right. And obviously if one party drifts to the center and the other party drifts to the right, the whole country moves to the right.
1: Well, these To Tell the Truth films tackle politics from a very serious point of view. You also have a group of films that are a little less serious, which are the political comedies. And if I had to recommend just two films from this group of films, it would be The Candidate and The Great McGinty. I love that movie.
0: <laughs> uh, nothing wrong with uh, with uh, recommending the, the Great McGinty. First of all, it's never wrong to recommend a Preston Sturgis movie. Uh, this was uh, made really at the beginning of what was an amazing four-year run for Sturgis, I think eight or nine films between 40, really a five-year run totally, 40 through 19, beginning of 40 through the end of 1944. Uh, just a, a remarkable set of movies, and it, it begins in many ways with The Great McGinty, which, again, he wrote and directed, Brian Dunleavy, um, uh, uh, Akeem Tamirov, uh, William Demarest. It's such a terrific, terrific uh, uh political movie and funny and genuinely funny the petition was filed by dr jonas j jarvis chairman of the civic purity league incorporated ah they're always talking about graft but they forget if it wasn't for graft you'd get a very low type of people in politics men without ambition jellyfish
1: especially since you can't rob the people anyway sure how was that what you rob you spend and what you spend goes back to the people so where's the robbery I read that in one of my father's books. That book should be in every home. It's hilarious, and it just comes at you rapid fire, and almost every line seems to be a punchline. That, yeah. that still I mean, kind of uh, stings. You know,
0: uh, I mean, Sturgis is in many ways the, 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 the inspiration, the predecessor for, you know, airplane. I mean, like, hey, man, you didn't think that line was funny? Don't worry. Wait 12 seconds. There's, a, there's another one coming. Uh, And also just the sort of way Sturgis managed to give you extreme circumstances without making them seem so silly that you lost interest in the movie. Because on paper, you know, like uh, the idea of a hobo, forgive the terminology, but uh, it was 1940, you know, who uh, uh, just sort of rises one rung up the political ladder uh, at a time until he's at the top of the political ladder is absurd. Except (laughs) somehow in The Great McGinty, it actually make sense, while also sort of amusing you every step of the way.
1: Well, and it's interesting, too, because on a certain level, it's extremely cynical about the whole process, and yet there's still kind of a warmth to it that oh, no engages question. Yeah, me. yeah, yeah,
0: of course, of course. There's, you know, there's, you, there's some good in it, um, no question. But yes, uh, it is incredibly cynical about the process, and it, it also just shows you that, that, that as cynical as we think we are now in 2016 about uh, American politics, um, uh you know well, we were plenty cynical uh, in 1940 and you know uh, and again this movie released you know uh, basically a year a little over a year before uh, uh before we actually joined the fight in World War II and you can imagine sort of patriotism and 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 belief in our political leaders was at an all time high
1: Another one of these political comedies is very interesting to run in this particular election. Kisses yeah, for yes. my president because yeah. that presents a first lady i mean or a female president with a first lady male
0: well we'll never of course have that in this country. everybody knows that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is uh Polly Bergen is the president and Fred Mcmurray is her uh, is her is her bill clinton is her uh, uh is her uh you know and it deals with everything you'd sort of imagine the 1960s would think was funny about that, that, oh, you know, he has to worry about things to do with the state dinner and, and, and the, the, the now what we realize are, you know, somewhat menial tasks that we sort of ascribe to the, to, to first ladies for the first, whatever, 240 years of this uh, country minus the four years of uh, James Buchanan. because He had no first lady. Um, But uh, yeah, it's and it's totally amusing because it's Fred McMurray, and he is so unbelievably likable all the time. But you know, this has uh, no question. This movie is uh, 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 heavy with uh, nineteen sixties sexism, even (laughs) as it's about a movie about the first female president of the United States.
1: Well, it's not bad, is it? Uh, Considering the rent, and to the right, the president's bedroom. It isn't very feminine. Oh, maybe you uh, maybe you should appeal to Congress for some tins curtains. Make it your first official act, and the uh, women of America would be proud that they picked a president who knows first things come first. And to think I almost picked you as my campaign manager. Now, according to Mr. Jackson, we are about to enter your bedroom. Ah. My bedroom? Oh, Thad, isn't it beautiful? Well, yes, it's very pretty, Oh, I envy you. Well, now, wait a minute. This must be the First Lady's bedroom. It must be. Leslie, you don't mean you're actually going to try to shove me in here. Oh, and you have your very own private dressing room. Well, if you think I gave up my golf club membership and a prospering business so I could sleep in something like this... You know, I've never seen you look so positively stunning. This room, it really is you. Well, I'll stop that. Be sure to hang up your dress so it won't wrinkle.
0: I'll cut that out. But it's funny. It's amusing. It's fun to watch.
1: If you could pick from any film outside of the ones that TCM is running, do you have a favorite on screen president? It could be somebody playing a real president or a fictional one.
0: Uh, Henry Fonda and Failsafe is really my favorite. Um, uh, my favorite on screen president. Uh, You know, politics have nothing to do with it. I mean, we know Henry Fonda's politics, but they don't enter into it in this movie, and it is a president faced with the worst possible decision you could make. It's Sidney Lumet, it's an incredibly, uh, as the director, an incredibly claustrophobic movie. Much of the most dramatic moments are just uh, Henry Fonda and uh, Larry Hagman in a tiny, small office on the phone. Uh, talking to different people as we as he tries to avoid a, a, a nuclear catastrophe. Sixty four comes out the same year as Doctor Strangelove, but it, this uh, the, the failsafe takes the, the moment of, a, of an accidental nuclear war seriously, whereas Kubrick and, and in, in Doctor Strangelove uh, made it farcical. Uh, both remarkable movies uh, taken from different. Books with similar ideas Uh, and it's really terrific and interesting if you have the opportunity to see those movies together on the same night or the same weekend it'd be a pretty good uh, film festival for you Dr. Strange Love and Failsafe but that's my favorite on-screen president of course not to leave out uh, the impressive performance that Jamie Foxx turned in 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 White House Down uh, uh, which uh, I'm also in (laughs) which by the way is actually pretty good it's way better than uh, Olympus has fallen
1: now, for people who want to see these films, you can watch them on t c m but you can also watch them with the t c m app as well correct
0: yeah i mean look i'm not a uh, i don't have anything to do with designing the app, but I will tell you that it is literally the greatest app i've ever seen uh, in addition to allowing you to watch what we have on live on on two different feeds a West Coast feed and an east Coast feed uh we also have in the neighborhood of a hundred movies uh th- from days before uh, available to watch on demand at any time on the app. You just sign in using your cable provider. It looks fantastic on an iPad or any sort of tablet. It works great on your, uh, on your, on your, uh, on your laptop. It's, it's really, really great and, and it includes the most importantly, it cl- includes the host introduction because that's really why people come to TCM. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course, but it does include the host introduction.
1: Well, that's great. Well, I want to thank you very much for talking politics with me.
0: Well, well the only thing I like talking about more than movies is politics. So <laughs> I'm happy to do it.
1: Thanks for listening to another edition of listener-supported KPBS Cinema Junkie podcast. This was a special bonus edition podcast where I didn't have as much time to drop in clips and things like that, but I wanted to make sure that my interview with Ben Mankiewicz about the political films airing on TCM got on the air as quickly as possible. So if you miss any of the films from the beginning of the series, you can catch them on the Watch TCM app. So thanks for listening to this bonus edition podcast. Till our next film fix, I'm Beth Accomando, your resident cinema junkie.